Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about what they've done to survive, including the different jobs they've had along their way. On today's episode, I'm speaking to Hayley Shea, aka Slutface, whose new EP, Awake Asleep, is coming out this Friday. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Lots of episodes this week. I put out Whitney earlier. And there's an episode with Colin from 100 Reasons coming later this week. Cheers to Jay Taylor and James Parrish for sorting both of these out. And thanks to you for listening to the podcast. 101 Part-Time Jobs is supported by 2000 Trees Festival, who this week have got a week of announcements to add to the already stacked lineup coming this July, which features Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, Joyce Manor, Crows, 
the aforementioned 100 Reasons, the Bronx, so many of the top bands from that world of punk rock and emo and pop punk. And this week, 2000 Trees are kicking off a week of huge announcements. Today, they've announced Black Honey, who will be joining the 2023 lineup. You can go back to episode 65 of 101 Part-Time Jobs to listen to my chat with Izzy B. Phillips. And for the next week, Trees are announcing a new band every day. From Tuesday, which is today, until next Monday, ending with another huge announcement on Tuesday, the 28th of Feb. I'll have a full list of new bands announced for you next week, but in the meantime, keep an eye on 2003's social media pages this week to stay up to date with all the announcements. If you want to go to 2000 Trees but haven't got your ticket yet, there's an installment plan that you can do that you can sign up to by the end of this month. And if you want to buy your ticket outright, you can use the voucher code 101POD to get a straight 20 quid off. That's 101POD as a voucher code to get 20 quid straight off that full ticket price. All at 2000treesfestival.co.uk. All right, here's Hayley, aka Slutface, here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Go well. For me, like being a musician wasn't uh, what I was really thinking I was going to do with my life. It always seemed like unrealistic that you could make that work. So I really wanted to be a doctor and I really wanted to study genetics in university and I really wanted to go to medical school and then I didn't get into medical school and I was in like seventh place on the wait list, which is a really good thing for this band because uh, I definitely would have like probably stopped being in a band to focus on that if I'd gotten in, but then I didn't get in. Um, and then I had like a year after high school where I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do. and. During that time, we rehearsed a lot and played a lot of shows. And then that kind of seemed like after that year, it started to seem like maybe this was something, you know, that could turn into a job at some point and something we could maybe make money off of at some point. So then we kind of kept going. And yeah, I don't know. This is going to be like your most privileged episode of this podcast ever because Norway is super generous with like like going to college is free and you get pretty good student loans to go to college. So for the first couple of years, all of us kind of lived off of that where we would go to university between touring and try to pass our exams and then like pay for stuff with our student loans. Yeah. My parents are both American, but I've lived in Norway my whole life. So they thought it was such a good deal <laughs> for me to go to college in Norway where it was free that they helped me out a lot during our first years, which I'm really grateful for, but also very aware that not everybody has parents in that position and how lucky I was to get the help from them. Yeah. So then, yeah. And then we kind of, that was when we did like our most hardcore touring was when everybody was still in university. And then... After that, I think I realized that like it was a little bit too much to try to make good records and tour a lot and try to do well in school because I wasn't so good at not trying to do well in school. I wasn't so good at just being like, ah, I'm a musician first and it doesn't matter. <laughs> so then I... <laughs> In the sense, you, you, were, you were quite sensible really you were thinking look school's got to come over band not really I because like band definitely seemed like the more like viable option at that point in time because we'd started working with like 
you know, a record label and booking agents and like other people, like other adults when I was 21 were telling me that like this was something worth pursuing. Yeah. But I still like, I think I struggled a little bit with like not, I've always found it hard to like balance time between band and other things, I think. Like, because for me, whatever is like most, whatever's right in front of me is like most pressing if that makes sense like whatever deadline is the next deadline is like the thing that matters most and even if that would be like studying for an exam that a long term wouldn't be as important as like an important show it would still feel really important at that point in time so yeah we did that uh and then like it took me a really long time to figure out that probably if I wanted to be a musician I should do it properly and put more time and effort into it. So, so 2022 mm. last year was like the first year that I tried to do that full time. And that, that hesitation to do it full time before, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, what, what is the, what are the opportunities for being an artist in, in Norway? Are there similar opportunities for grants and support there? Yeah, we have a really good grant and support system, but there, but you know, like we were, there were four of us, and we always tried to split everything really equally, and that I think that makes it harder to like get a full. It wasn't like quite enough money for any of us to do that only that full time, right. even when we were like really active, and we're still really active, but we've kind of scaled down a little bit because I don't know. The more like in control we became of our own business the more we realized that like touring is also expensive. And right now we're kind of, we're spending all the money that we make on going out on the road again to try to like play live. Um, so at some point maybe, yeah. I think now, especially obviously after COVID, like everything's changed, but now we're a little bit more like trying to be smart about things and trying to spend money where it makes sense. I can imagine that must be hard because you get a band like Slutface where you know, you have a steady group of fans, you know, you have, you have your people, you have your tribe. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if you have that thing where say it's January, right. And you're looking towards the summer or maybe even later on in the year and you think, well, let, let's go on tour. So I guess maybe you've got two options. You either book a tour yourself and just go for it, or you wait out for a support tour for a band that you personally love or a band that you can imagine connecting with their fans. I feel like that's a real tricky position. Yeah. Have you experienced that? And and how have you navigated that? What's your thought on it? Again, I think it was just always just like the next thing. Because for and basically like until COVID, we were kind of going what felt like like nonstop. Mm-hmm. But because we also like I first I, all of us were either at university and then we all got other part-time jobs after we finished university to, or like I dropped out of university. Let's not say finished because that would be a lie. Right. Um, to like have a little more time to focus on band. And then I got a part-time job after that. So I think for all of us, it was kind of just like, let's do the next thing. And we, until COVID had so much, like we usually had so much touring that was kind of being like pushed on us. It felt like from people that we worked with where we were like constantly being told like, oh, this offer came in and you have to say yes to this because this is going to be like the big thing that's going to change it all. And this is what's going to really like send us over the top. Um, And I'm super grateful that we did all of that touring because I think I learned a lot. But it was also, sometimes it was kind of hard to find like a good balance between like that and other jobs and personal relationships. And I think it 
was a little bit of a weird way to grow up because it was like, because all that was happening for the first time. And I just like finished high school and was living on my own for the first time in my life. And all of this was happening all at the same time. So yeah, I think it was a little bit of a weird, I've had to like remake some connections in my brain, I think over the past couple years that were formed in my early twenties that maybe weren't like the best way to be living your life. <laughs> I feel that, that that's very relatable. You know, I think, I think a lot of us will get to the, our, our, our later twenties and think, oh, we've actually sort of made some paths there, some cognitive paths that maybe we could work on. Or yeah. You know, we were kind of had the arrogance maybe to think we were right. I'm speaking for myself, <laughs> and the arrogance thing. Oh, that's the way it is. But it doesn't, it's, it doesn't have to be, no. you know, you can, it's quite amazing the way that you can prioritize and pragmatically look at what's most important. Yeah. And I'm sure it's just a part of like growing up and getting older and yeah, people change a lot in their 20s or most of us change a lot in their 20s. So how has it been for your social life? I mean, hanging out with friends. I mean, that's such an important thing to, you know, I, being sociable and, and seeing friends and family and partners. That's, 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 that's what life's really, that's where the, the, the where the magic is, right? That's where we feel good. Yeah. How have you been able to prioritize that sort of stuff? I mean, luckily I was in a band um, and it wasn't just me. So like a lot mm. of, obviously like most of my social interaction for most of my twenties was with like the same four dudes in a sweaty van um but yeah I definitely feel like that like maintaining relationships with people has been hard and when again like when COVID happened there were some things that I had to like relearn it felt like a little bit because suddenly I knew where I was going to be for the foreseeable couple months and yeah it I like had to maybe have plans on the weekends which I hadn't really thought about very much for most of my adult life. So there were, yeah, a lot of things to learn. <laughs> what, what did you get into any new hobbies? Did you get in a, get like sort of discover something that you got into that was a good way to spend your time? Mm, no, I just watched TV mostly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had a job that I left in March of 2022 during all of COVID that I'd worked for since 2018. So I worked for a I had like a 50% two and a half days a week um, was supposed to be, but it never is because I worked for a nonprofit um, that worked for gender, right. gender balance in the music industry. So I worked with a lot of like uh, teenagers and a lot of like courses for different music related activities. And I, I kind of spent more time on that during the pandemic when we weren't touring as much because we were still able to do a lot of things digitally. So that was like my main focus, but I just thought it was, it was just hard. I thought I did not have like a creative outburst. I was just sad all a lot of the time and like watched a lot of TV pretty much. <laughs> so that was like my pandemic experience. But it was also kind of when we started figuring out that there were going to be some big changes happening in the band at the same time. So it was kind of like we had like our biggest, our biggest like best-selling European headline tour canceled like two days before going out because Norway locked down and then I just like worked from home and was bummed that I wasn't going on tour after all and then we found out that like there were some big changes happening in the band pretty fast after that with like um, some of their of the original members leaving because we started talking about that during that time so it felt like there were just 
a lot of things happening at once. So I was glad to have a part-time job though. because like, it was good to have something to distract yourself with. And yeah, I was a pretty lucky musician because I had another, I could kind of up my hours there during the pandemic, which was good. Like financially speaking. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, good on you for getting through those hard times. You know, there's, there's, there's some, some, you're going to experience some low times in our lives. And, and maybe that was a period period for you, you know, to, to get through some difficult moments where you didn't, you know, aren't sure of what's going on. Members leaving. That's, 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 that's tough. I think so too. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of like people that have connected to our music during the pandemic who have like talked about similar experiences and things that they've gone through that have been hard. So, I mean, mm. I think that's like a really special part about making this music and being in this band is that I never really feel, I never feel like alone in those feelings because I have all these other people that are like reaching out and telling me that they feel the same way as something we've talked about in one of our songs, which is really special. It's what it's about, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that gender balance organization, you know, did it feel like a natural place that you could share your experiences, you know, because because you were sort of quite brushed up in that field of things. And how did you fit in there? How did you find that organization and how did you put yourself forward to them? Yeah, I think it's definitely like of all of the other, like being in a band is obviously where I feel most at home because that's where I've grown up and I've been in bands my whole life. So that's like my number one, but working for this organization that's called Ox, A-K-K-S, um, was like the second, the second most at home I've ever felt in a job because it was just, you know, working with people that cared about the same things. And it was really like a like-minded environment to be in. And I made so many good friendships and connections with other, especially like other female musicians. And we could like talk about our experiences and share them a lot. Um, I first started working with them almost 10 years ago now, I guess. Nine years ago, because it's our 10-year anniversary of this year's, and I was in the second round of this. Um, we're part of like this network of, of rock, like band camps called Girls Rock Camp Alliance. Um, so I started working right. with like the Norwegian version of them first, like right out of high school pretty much was my first summer volunteering. And then I've tried to stay active like in whatever way I can. So I've been like an administrator and I've worked as a band instructor and I've worked as like a uh, everything but the band thing at camps, which is like all the social stuff or like playing games and stuff like that. So I've worked with them and then through them, I got that like a more steady position with like their, the organization that organizes these camps kind of. So then for them, I was like an administrator and organized courses and like set a lot of teenage girls up with their first drum lessons and mentored young bands, mostly all female bands. So yeah, like a lot of different stuff. Um, Quality. And super rewarding, but definitely like all, I think a lot of people that work for nonprofits can relate to like, uh, it's it can get easy to get burned out with doing that as well uh, because you're always, you care so much that you always want to give like, as much of your time as you can to a cause that you really care about. So, so that's why I decided this year, like last year that I was like, okay, I've done, I went to I like tried to combine band with school for a while. I worked for this um, organization for four years. I think it's probably time to see if I can make a living off of 
only being a musician. Um, and then like right after I, I made that decision, I got um, a grant from like the Norwegian government. So I was like a state artist last year, <laughs> which is very fun to say, <laughs> which really helped in like my first year of transition. Cause like the, the universe aligned and that was my first year of getting that grant. So that grant must have helped with that identity because calling yourself an artist must be, you know, a kind of a feel like a bit of a double edged sword because of course you're an artist, you know, you're putting, you put so much, so many years into it. On the other hand, um, you know, it's still something that you really have to fight your corner for. You're still going to be, have to be your own boss. You're probably not going to get much support emotionally or financially from the people above you. You know, of course you'll be working with other people, but, you know, ultimately you're where the value is. Also getting that grant is such a double-edged sword though. Cause like my partner is also a musician and he had this grant the year before me, which was like the reason that I applied. Cause I was like, okay, maybe if he got it, I can get it. Um, and there's so much like imposter syndrome that comes with getting that grant too, because it's like, oh no, now I have to prove that I actually deserve this and I have to make something that's good enough to, prove that I deserve this too so but definitely like yeah there's so much so many identity things that go into that it's funny that you know you think getting that grant for someone like me an outsider it thinks that it's, it's like yeah okay you'll defi that defines you rather than you know even puts you into even more convoluted thoughts <laughs> yeah. about thinking fuck gotta live up to there it. were a good 24 hours that I felt very validated and then after like 24 <laughs> hours I was back to like oh no now, what if like I don't make anything that's good enough, or what if like some this should maybe this should have gone to somebody else that could have really used it more, or I don't know all those ideas that you have. So, but it definitely was like it's like easier. <laughs> it was kind of like it's kind of like a weird stamp of approval. It's like easier to tell my friends from high school who were like, "Oh, you're still still doing that music thing, huh? Cool." <laughs> it's like easier to to be. Uh, like just tell them like, yeah, the Norwegian government has told me I'm officially an artist. So I'm, I probably am. I don't know. Well, it's a good thing to have in your pocket. That, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it was, I mean, the whole, the whole year I was kind of just like, I'm just going to try to make as many good things as possible with the time I have and try to create space around the creative process in a way that I've never had in my life. And I don't know very many people, like, unless you're on a pretty high level, like, I don't know very many people that can like take time off to like, I don't know, not work on a Monday morning because they want to read a book that's going to inspire something about the way they want to write a song. Like that was, so the whole year, every day I would just be like, this is one year. I could do this for one year and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I'm going to try to like create that space around the things that I want to make. And it definitely helps. Like it was, if any, if any like politicians out there wonder if this is a good scheme and if it works, it's like by far been my most productive year in my life, like songwriting wise and lyric wise. I've, I've never written more music or felt more creatively inspired than I did when I had like a little more space around the creative process. So, yeah. Brilliant. And what was that grant called for anyone listening? In, in Norway? Norway, it's called um, Statens Kunstnerstipend. So I had the one for like young artists that you can get until you're, I think, 35. So yeah, everybody should apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What hard do want? Part-time jobs. 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 You're the face of the band now. It's it's almost kind of got reinvented as a, you know, as as your solo project. Was that, I mean, first of all, does that sound right? And, you know, how was that reshaping of it for you? Uh, Yeah, so we call it a rock band collective, which is, yeah, uh, because it's like a project that's fronted by me and I'm like the main songwriter and kind of try to keep things running smoothly. But we call it a collective because calling it a solo project, like, well, first I was kind of wondering if I wanted to continue releasing music under the name Slutface at all after... Uh, La Centaur, who were like the other two remaining original full-time members, left. Um, and we announced them leaving in 2022. And then I kind of decided that I definitely wanted to keep releasing music under the Slutface name, but that calling it a solo project just didn't feel right because I I don't really play anything. You know, I'm, I'm mostly like lyrics and melodies and would, would like to continue to still do those things, um, mostly. So I knew that I wanted to work with a lot of collaborators and I felt like calling it a collective is like the most honest way of describing how we actually function because just in general, like sometimes the music business doesn't really give enough credit, I think, to producers or songwriters that are a little bit more like behind the scenes. So that's kind of our attempt at giving credit where credit is due. And we also, then we yeah. include like, photographers and artists that we work with in that collective great so yeah that's that's how we think of it but that was also I mean you know that kind of became like a part-time job because I was so used to splitting my time like we were so used to dividing all of our tasks equally as like a very democratic band so that when we changed into this new form um as like this collective where I'm like the project manager uh there were like a bunch of new things I had to learn like our former guitarist tour has a degree in business so he'd always done like all of our bookkeeping and most of our like like grant application is a big part of being a rock band in Norway so he'd done a lot like a lot of that stuff uh and like kept our finances in check so then I took over all of that and had to learn some new things and like uh Lasse has always been amazing who played bass and has a he has a solo project called Luke now that people should listen to um so yeah he had always been like our social media guy because uh, that wasn't ever my favorite thing to do pretty much. And he was really good at it. So kind of he took over those things. So then that was also like a new thing that fell to me that I had to like kind of learn how to do as a part of that process in a little bit of a different way. So those are two hell of a jobs, right? Money and do the socials. Hey, people get employed. People will make their full-time living out of doing each of those things. I know. It's crazy to think that somebody like, because like we have a, like a company that a big part of my job is like doing the accounts for that business, you know? People don't really think of the fact that you have to have that as a band. Like you have to have an account and then books and yeah. <laughs> all that boring stuff. 
So you're feeling good about it. Happy is such a great tune. I mean, does it does it feel like a like carte blanche? Does it feel like a fresh start and you've got something in the tank? You know, where where do you feel like you're at? I mean, that's a cliche question maybe to ask, isn't it? Because that's me asking yeah. you saying, yes, feels amazing. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But you know, how, how, how are you feeling right now about it? Right now I feel good. I'm just, I'm really excited to uh, share the new music. But I mean, mostly like every musician, I'm like on the next thing before the last thing is out. So I'm also like writing a lot of new music and excited about hopefully releasing an album not too like we work with pretty long timelines but not too 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 far in the future so I'm working on that a lot these days and I love the group of people that I have that I'm working with and playing music with so that's also really fun right now um to like the good thing about that whole collective idea that whole way of working is there's so much like fresh energy and we have like new people kind of rotating into the project which makes it really inspiring to work on so yeah, I am, cool. I am genuinely excited uh, <laughs> about releasing music. So yeah, and I saw a great video of you playing in London last yeah. year. People singing along. I mean, what's your relationship with England and London? Have you have you got any got any memorable times? Yeah, we've like we're a Norwegian band, but the UK was kind of like our first big country that we really both like tried to break into outside of Norway and that also we felt like kind of accepted us and connected with the music in a good way. Um, so touring the UK is is like a very fundamental idea for us, I think, of who we are as a band. Um, so yeah, we, we, were, we played our first show back outside of Norway in London in November of 22, so last fall. It was amazing to be just traveling somewhere to play a gig again (laughs) that was great (laughs) but I don't know there's something about your whole like the whole British music scene is like the music that we grew up on and it's so special to get to like be in those rooms like like the wombats were and they're well told this Norwegian so that that's like a crossover but that was like one of my big bands (laughs) and I grew up reading enemy and just really wanted to be included in those lists of bands so that's always felt really special. Did you get enemy in Norway in, in the town that you grew up in? Then did they sell it at the shops, or did you have to order it? No, in? I. Um, they had it. We have a music library, and they would go. They would get. They would like subscribe to all the music magazines. So I would like ride my bike down to town, read enemies sitting in the library, and like write down all of the band names that were mentioned in each edition of enemy, and then I would go home and listen to them. On like, because it was before Spotify, so like, I I I was a chicken and didn't want to like illegally download music, so I, I used Hype Machine a lot. I remember, um, so yeah, that was like my routine was like bike down, read about it, write down the names, listen to the music, try to get the music, try to borrow the CDs because they would get pretty regular like new music at the library, and that was how we did things before I was good at the internet. There because the internet existed, I just wasn't good at it <laughs> did, did those bands come to norway did was was norway on their map of of their tour dates not like usually those kinds of indie i mean i saw i lived i'm from stavanger which is like on the west coast and usually still to this day like if if a for an international band comes they'll play in oslo and like nowhere else so i saw the wombats but again i think they were different because their bass player is norwegian um and that was like a really special gig for me because i knew all the songs but 
I mostly grew up seeing like seeing Norwegian stuff and my my parents are both pretty big like Indian rock music fans and still like my whole life have put in a lot of effort to discover new music so they would take me to the to Oslo to go see like we saw Grizzly Bear when I was a teenager and I've seen Connor Oberst a couple times and big fans of the national. So we've seen them a couple times when I was a yeah. kid, but yeah. Hey, Haley, thank you so much. That's great. Some good stories. There. Oh, thank you. like to be in kind of like a a band that is like tangent to punk I'm very much a rule follower because I, I think I need somewhere to get out all of that anxiety about breaking the rules because in my regular life I'm very anxious of breaking rules um, but I think like the worst thing that I to this day feel bad about that really isn't so bad but my like one of my first jobs after high school was I worked like the yeah, like I worked in a bar, but I was like the person that only cleans up glasses, you know, and I didn't actually yeah, bar. bar. Yeah. Uh, and I had that job and like the, the bar that I worked for, the same people owned like three bars and I, there are like two drinking ages in Norway. So like some bars are 18 and some are 20. I was with my work colleagues from the bar that I worked at and we like snuck into this bar that I wasn't old enough to be at. And I like lied my way in, um, which was it's like a objectionably a really bad choice because like everybody that was working in the other bar also worked with me. They knew exactly how old I was. And I was probably just like drunk enough that I thought I could get away with it or like thought they didn't know I wasn't old enough to be there or something. But I, I really wanted to sneak in because like this band from my hometown called Kvelo Tak, that's like a really awesome metal band. They were all going to be hanging out there after their show. So I like blagged my way in. And was hanging out with all these other like friends that I had who played in bands. And then I was like kicked out within like seven minutes because the because I went up to go buy a beer and one of the my colleagues from the other bar was like, You're not old enough to be here. What are you doing here? And like immediately kicked me out. And then like my boss texted me and he was like, What are you doing? You really can't do that. You know, that could be really bad for us if like if our uh, like liquor license was taken away because you were underage and you were in that bar. And I was like, I felt so bad because I just, I really just wanted to hang out with this like cool metal band and everybody yeah. from my other job were like, you really, you really can't do that. <laughs> Is that such a crime? Doesn't it doesn't seem, seem like really that bad now, but at the time I felt so bad about it and I felt so guilty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think like, Oh yeah. Most of my, most of my like uh, rule breaking tendencies are all related to music. Cause that's like the only thing that's ever seemed worth it <laughs> to break the rules for. Haley, thank you so much. I really appreciate your yeah, time. You too. Such a good podcast. I listened to a couple episodes before chatting with you and uh, I think it's a great idea. Nice one. And I just think that it's such a such a nice awareness to bring because even like uh, even huge artists these days are like still like I don't know that interview that came out with Mitski last year where she's talking about how she's like never had a permanent place to live because she doesn't have the money to have a permanent place to live between touring so much and it doesn't make sense like that's crazy yeah. you think that it, like you said at some point that it'll just kind of 
work out and you'll have like smooth sailing, but it seems like it's harder and harder as time goes on to get to that point kind of. I mean, little Sims from who's from here, she had to cancel her US dates and she just won the Mercury prize, which is like a, which is nuts. So you win a Mercury prize, but you have to cancel a big US tour because it's financially unviable. That's crazy. It's madness. And um, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see. Yes. My partner says he's also a musician. We talk about this a lot and we're all, we're we're like kind of curious to see how things are going to shake out because we, um, we feel like we've, we came up like right on the tail end of like, we've never released music when physical sales have been like all that important. So we feel like we can skip, like we've always been musicians that haven't relied on physical sales, but this feels like, like the next thing of like touring economy being a little bit more uncertain. So we're kind of curious. We talk about it a lot. (laughs) So we wonder how it's going to work out. You just got to try and be smart, right? And try and sort of, it's unprecedented. So you know better than anyone else really. Yeah. And just like, yeah, you know, try to remember that a lot of things cost money <laughs> in this business. Yeah. I think that's easy to forget when you're not yeah. always the one that's like in control and make, because like as an artist, if you work with a label or you work with a booking agency or you work with managers, it's easy to lose track of things that other people are like agreeing on on your behalf, I think. So, yeah, yeah it's a big that's job. It is. You got to get your boxing gloves yeah. on. Get ready to defend yourself. Yeah. Defend your honor. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I think now that I'm older, I think of being in a band like like running any small business. Like I, I try to just use the same principles that any like 28 year old that's trying to run a startup would run. Which like, and I try to explain that to people now too. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to get like a paycheck for the next couple months because I'm investing in this. But there are a bunch of 28 year olds that are starting startups that aren't going to make money for. Five- <laughs> you know, a couple of years either. So yeah, I try years. to like put yeah. it in that context for other people that aren't musicians to explain it to them. Like it's a new round of investment because the pandemic has changed the music industry completely. So I have to kind of do that thing again that I did when I was 22. So that's just the world. It sounds like you're very, you're very smart and you're coming for, coming at it from a very balanced angle. So yeah, uh, good on you. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We try. Thank you so much for this talk. It was great. So there was Haley of Slutface, Awake, Asleep. Their new EP is out this Friday. Go and pre-save it or whatever you do. See you next week for a new episode with Colin from 100 Reasons. Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.